I want everybody to stand. You know, sometimes it takes a song to really kind of get something in your spirit. It's sometimes it's just the, the magic, so to speak, of a tune and a melody, but with the right words. If you're in a battle right now for your soul, somebody in your family, something that's challenging, something that's really tormenting, why don't you lift your hands right now? Simple song, it's war. It really is war. And if you don't get anything else out of the song, we know we got weapons of warfare. We know the scriptures. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus makes all the difference. And you may be standing right now, you may have your hands lifted, and you may have never, ever really stepped out in faith to say, God, I need a miracle. I need breakthrough. I've got a son. I've got a daughter that's lost. I've got a grandkid that's lost. I've got challenges in my finances right now. And it really is overwhelming me. I want you right now as you stand, those of you streaming right now, lift your hands. And with your own lips, your own voice, say, Lord Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this situation. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean I'm begging. I'm confirming what you've already done, and I'm standing on your promise. And in the name of Jesus and by the blood you shed, there is victory for the child of God. I don't know when the answer's coming, but I know that you are my answer. And Jesus, I'm believing for that miracle right now. By faith, I'm activating this thing. I'm not just thinking it, I'm speaking it. And I'm declaring it that, God, you are more than enough for this situation. You're exceedingly and abundantly above what I'm asking. And I know that by your shed blood, you promise that it is done. The victory has already been won. So, Lord, let me stand full of faith and declare that, God, you are my answer. You are my son's answer, my daughter's answer, my marriage's answer, the finance answer. You are my answer. Lord Jesus, I give you praise. Come on, start praising him right now. Start praising him right now. Start praising him right now. Hallelujah. 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 One more time, let's sing it. Come on. Come on.
One more time, give God praise in the house. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before you're seated, turn around to two and say, I'm glad I'm here. And I'm glad you're here. Those of you streaming, we're glad you're a part. I must have been on the same wavelength with Carrie in that I, I'm going to use a word. You know, I like words, and I like building on those words. There's a word, again, it's just, it just it speaks volumes in itself, but we're going to look a little deeper to it. And it's the word insight, to have insight of something. When you have insight, that means you're apprehending the true nature of something. How many know there's lying and seducing spirits that we're constantly at war with? And we need insight. In the Pentecostal ranks, we use the word revelation. We use the word rhema, that we're able to see something for what it is. In the Old Testament of the tribes, there was the tribe of Issachar. And in that tribe, they were known that they were able to discern the times. And with this pandemic going on, with political upheavals, with wars and rumors of wars constantly swirling, how many knows we need insight to navigate through our lives, our situations, our affairs of our family, everything we deal with? We need insight. Many of us know what it is to have corrective lenses, something that as we're trying to see it, we need insight. So we put on these lenses that helps us to apprehend it better. If you're like me, I'm farsighted, so those things very close I struggle with, and uh, you may see me squinting. How many is with me? And if you squint long enough, finally you're able to kind of make some sense of it, but then you look around and nothing, everything else is on a kilter and it's, it's blurred. We need insight. But uh, along with 3D, um, excuse me, of regular lenses, there's the 3D. I don't know if, how many of you ever experienced a 3D experience in a movie theater. Uh, it's, it's quite a trip. Because, see, typically when we're watching a screen, a monitor, a television screen, it's in 2D. But when you go 3D, you have to have, again, glasses that assist with that. And it makes it uh, quite different because it puts it finally in a cube, even though it's called 3D. And it gives you the appearance of depth. But what's even more comical than going and experiencing it for yourself I remember one time uh, we were actually in Washington, D.C., and they had a 3D theater going on, and I just was peering through the glass of the door, not in the theater, and watching people experience it for themselves. And here they are watching a screen, but you're seeing them do this, <laughs> ducking. Because for them, with those glasses, everything now had a... A different experience to it. Well, the reason I'm sharing that is because I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
And we have, we have uh, evidence, we have a written experience by Paul himself of something he experienced, and the best way we can describe it in a, in a 3D type format, as uh, he is now sharing about the third heaven. And in this experience that he had, you got to understand that when the Bible talks about third heaven, we understand the first heaven is it's just the air we breathe, the atmosphere around us. The second heaven would be what you and I call the heavenly host or the, the starry skies, the outer limits, the outer space, all these different expressions. But the third heaven is the abode of God. When we talk about and read about the tabernacle, when we talk about coming into the presence of God in that throne room, it's in the third heaven. It's a real heaven. And Paul was able to experience it. I want you to stand with me as we read together 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read the first 10 verses. And we're going to go back in just a moment about uh, as he opens up here and says, I must go on boasting. We'll talk about his boasting previously. But for right now, as we read verse 1, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Of course, he's speaking of himself here. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I, I, I still, I don't know. God knows. And he said, and he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, written in red, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power, it's made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you again, Lord, for your word. Let it uh, resonate with us today as we're dealing with our struggles as well as the things that we have insight to and yet can't quite grasp, that your presence uh, overwhelm us and consume us and let us have a confidence in you, O oh Lord, that will sustain us no matter what we face. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Paul, as we pick up mid-conversation here, he's already been having a conversation he said, the boasting. If, if Paul was talking today to us 
and walked up on our conversation, he would say, uh, y'all need to kind of quit your boasting because I've already been there, done that. And I've got all the t-shirts. Here's a man who had been quite educated in life and with not only ambition, but blind ambition was conquering anything in his path until, of course, he met Jesus himself in quite an experience. And from that time, then his world would change. And he's already told this group, he said, listen, I know what hardship is. We know how we talk to one another, don't we? If someone comes up and tells us the problem they're going through, don't we cut them short and we tell them how much pain we've already been through, likened unto theirs? Their story kind of triggers us to overtake the conversation. We don't talk so much about victories. We talk about our hardships. We talk about our struggles, our losses, our battles. He said, I know what that's all about. He said, I, I have been whipped with lashes five different times. That's 39 stripes because the, the law was 40 stripes was a sentence. They couldn't go beyond that. So they had learned we'll do 39 and just stop short so that if we need to go back again, we will. If you hit the 40th, you could never inflict pain on them again. This happened to him five different, can you imagine? Can you imagine the adhesions in his body? Can you imagine the whelps? Five different times, he said, but it wasn't just that. I've been beaten with rods three different times. I've been shipwrecked three different times. Molly Brown had nothing on him. She survived two of them. Think about this. He said, but that, that's, that's just some of the headlines. He said, I know what it is to be in peril in the wilderness. I know what it is to be in peril in the city. I know what it is to have my own people, the Jews, come against me. But I also know the people I'm trying to reach, the Gentiles, also the adversity. I know what it is to lose sleep. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be cold. I know what it is to have everything stripped from me. I know what it is to help somebody and then stab me in the back. I know this. I know what it is to try to, to help this thing I, that we are believing in now called the church. He said, I know what it is to establish a church only to know now, oh my goodness, the weight that it is, the responsibility of trying to help others walk the straight and narrow. And he said, but you know, to go on boasting, you talk about revelations. I've, I've had experiences that are unparalleled to what you've experienced. And again, the only way you knew how to describe it is I knew a man 14 years ago. In other words, the man I was when that happened has changed. And I can't even explain to you all that was really going on with me. It was, it was incredible. It was like 3D. I mean, I was maybe 4D. I felt everything. Everything seemed strange and odd. He said, so then something else happened to me. He said, I, I got this what I'm going to call a thorn in my flesh. Of all the things, you know, when you start breaking this down, of all the things this man had been through, this is the only thing recorded that he went to God with to remove from him. To the point he, he pleaded that God would remove it from him. Now, I'm, I'm not, I don't know about you, but if I had been beaten up, I think I'd be going to the Lord about that and saying, Lord, you need to sick them people. Or I don't ever want to go through that again. I plead, Lord, I don't ever get beaten up again. We don't find that. 
If somebody beat me with rods, if I didn't shoot, shoot them with my gun first, I wouldn't be standing in line to ever let that happen again. I'd be pleading to the Lord, Lord, don't ever let this happen again. But we don't find that. Of all the things he went through, this is the thing that he went to God with. See, when you look at it with that insight, what is it? Now, again, of course, we've studied this. We've had theologians study this. And you have a myriad of opinions of what it could have been. Whatever this thorn was, he described it being in the flesh, something tormenting. And whatever it was, it kept him from being conceited. He, he finally started grasping it. But, Lord, I, this, this is so excruciating and so humiliating. There's nothing like, Lord, you've got to remove this from me. How many knows that having these kind of revelations, don't you kind of feel like he might have felt entitled? Now, God, you know that I'm your special agent. You've got to do this for me. To go and plead with God. We talk about war. In the song, God, I've, I've, I've gone to war multiple times, this thing. But he, he didn't just go once or twice, three times. And then he hears the word of the Lord personally. My grace is sufficient. That's what you need to know. You see, of all these heavenly insights that he had now, God had to keep him tethered to the earth. And he used a thorn, an expression. You and I have thorns. We've had those things that God has done in our life, and he has moved immediately as we've prayed, believed, been delivered. There's those other things that just keep reoccurring. God, why? Why? I like the Message Bible in this particular place and the way he worded it. He said, Lord, you know what I've learned through this? I've learned not to focus on my handicap. I've learned to appreciate the gift. The gift of a thorn. Here it is Valentine's Day, and a lot of ladies would like to get roses today, but you can leave the thorns off the stems, right? Just give me the flowers. But here he is thanking God for a thorn, not the rose. And now he calls it a gift. It's the way the Message Bible describes it. Again, you look at this and you say, oh, my goodness. What is he saying? What's the insight here? Whatever this thing was, it balanced him. It kept him from becoming conceited. And we can see with his intelligence, with his education, and now life's experiences, there was no equal to this man upon the earth at his time. But God said, I'm, I've still got to use you, so I'm going to tame you. I'm going to use a thorn. I'm going to keep you at a place where I can still use you, where you won't exalt yourself. The inside of this is incredible as you look further. What he's really saying is he was learning how to live truly by faith and not by his circumstances, and get ready for it, and not living by his feelings. We hear so much today about feelings Oh, there's always been songs written about feelings, but today, all the voices that we're hearing in the culture talking about feelings, talking about our position and our entitlement by feelings, but to the child of God, there has to be an insight that goes past the feelings that helps us to get our eyes off of the circumstances and focus on God himself. 
It is a good word. But it's something that has to happen to us. You can read it, but you don't just get it by reading. You have to experience this thing. Because we all have feelings. Turn to somebody and say, yeah, he's talking about me. Right? We all have circumstances. And there are some circumstances that are so harrowing, so monumental. They come to us from the blind side. Or they come to us through somebody that's the closest to us. And it affects us in ways that we didn't know we could be affected. The feelings that get attached to those circumstances. And yet the scripture keeps bearing out to live by faith. There's a word that he used here that I really want to focus on. He said, I have learned to be content. Again, you notice he said, I learned it. I didn't just read it. I didn't just have somebody talk to me about it. I've had to learn. I didn't just get it. It's come along the way. Again, three times I pleaded. But it wasn't until the third time that he says he heard the voice of the Lord. What about those other two times? God, where are you? I can imagine what he's going through. God, I deserve better than this. God, you've used me in mighty ways. What's going on? Are you off the clock? Have you forgotten who I am? Have you changed your character? How many has been there? How many have been so hurt with God you don't even want to pray? You going to get honest with me today? I had a young man in my office several years ago coming in. It was a family situation. It was the struggle of another person in the family that now compounded this person's life. Angry, screaming angry. And I don't know what this person thought I was going to do, but I'm just sitting there listening. I said, you know God can handle your anger? Man, it was like somebody put glasses on, gave insight. You mean it's okay to take my anger to God? Yeah. Somebody need to hear that today. Again, we go back to Jeremiah. God, I hate you. And I hate the day you had me born. Cursing at God. Well, he doesn't sound like a man of God right now. But he was very much a man. Struggling with life. How many's been there? How many's there? This insight we're talking about. He said, I've learned to be content. I didn't sign up for it. I'd have rather had my way. I'd have rather said, God, I'm going to say jump, and I'm going to see how high you'll jump for me. You see, again, back to war. There are many times as we put on the armor of God. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to me as that song's going, a great song. But it can be misconstrued at times as, God, you, you are robotic to my call, my beck and call. You do what I tell you to do. We're going to get honest about that too? And God doesn't always answer the way we said he should answer. And he doesn't even pick the phone up sometimes. 
I pleaded three times, and you're just now talking to me? I love the Bible. It's real. I've learned when he spoke to me, my grace is greater than your circumstance. My grace is greater than your feelings. My grace is enough. All the things that you're petitioning for may be worthy, but my grace is more than the sum of all of them put together. You see, what he was calling for is you just got to trust me. When we go to war for our families, when we go to war for our own soul, many times we're calling out and God answering exactly the way we're praying. But what about those times he doesn't answer that way? Are we ready to handle it? Can we get to that place where, you know what, even when I can't see his hand, I'm going to trust him. And when the heavens seem to be silent, I'm going to trust him. I've learned he can't lie and he can't fail. I've learned that. That's why I love testimony services still. We need to hear each other's stories. Because you know what these testimonies are? It's not so much about us and our circumstances. It's about a God who got involved in our circumstances and answered our prayer and got us through. I've learned that whatever state I am in, I know what it is to I know what it is to be on top of the world. Somebody needs to hear that today. It's okay to be blessed of God. See, a lot of times we talk about testimonies, it's just about the hard times. What about the good times? I know what it is for God to bless me coming in and going out. I know what it is for God to give me favor. I know what it is to walk into a city and they're waiting on me to get there. I know what it is to abound. I know what it is to be popular. I know what it is to pray and watch heaven move. And people in all of the instrument God used, which was me. I know what those things are, but I also know what it is to have them walk away from me. I know what it is to lose everything that I worked for. How many is there? Who supplied you with the stuff that you actually got your hands on? You see, we've got to have those times that get us to the place. And now he writes to a church in Philippi. You'll find it in the fourth chapter. But again, with just a little study, you realize that this church was some 20 years old. He had done work there many years earlier. And now that he's writing to them, he's not writing to them from the penthouse. He's in the prison in Rome. And here's what he says to them. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing. And in your petitions, do it with thanksgiving. I thought, oh my goodness, how many times have I prayed God with a wanting heart instead of a thankful heart? I've already got my wish list ready to share with what I need today or what I want today instead of, I just need to thank you. This contentment carries over. And then he reminded, right in the midst of those things, to rejoice always and, and to pray with a thankful heart. He says, for the Lord is at hand. Don't we need that finger in our back? Later on, as, as this letter goes on in Hebrews, 
he talks about many have entertained angels unaware. He talked about revelations, but every time I come across that verse, it's Hebrews 13 and 2. Many have entertained angels unaware, so be careful how you treat strangers. I wonder how many angels I've actually met in the course of six decades, and I had no clue. Now I know all of you think I'm talking about you right now. But truly, my wife's back there doing this. Yeah, she's my angel. Another voice heard from those of you streaming, that was the minister of music that just lost his job. Because my wife fired him. Many have entertained angels unaware. And then it takes me back to we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Why am I bringing that in? We've got to understand this thing. To get insight to life. That obviously we're being monitored. When there's angels that we encounter and we encounter them don't even know it. And don't even get insight later on. That, that, oh, that was an angel that time. Heaven's monitoring us. What a thought. The cloud of witnesses as we run this race called life. And I know so many of us want to believe that those have, who serve the Lord and have gone before us in death is part of that cloud. And I won't fight you on that, but I really believe that it's the heavenly host along with those on assignment from time to time monitoring us. Giving us insight to keep us balanced. That yes, there are times. Have you ever prayed about something and before you finished praying, the answer was already there? How many others have prayed for something and it still hasn't shown up? You see, it's this, this whole thing of contentment. I know what it is. To have everything. I know what it is to lose everything. What is the insight that we're gleaning is that God's grace is sufficient for us as well. So yes, we go to war. Yes, we pray and we believe. And yes, we lay our hands upon the sick and pray the prayer of faith and believe for their healing. Yes, we activate God's word. Yes, we walk by faith. Yes, we trust God for greater things. Yes, we believe for the salvation of our families. Yes, we believe that God's will is going to be performed and there's going to be transformation in areas of darkness that light's going to come through. That's who we are. But along with that insight, we also realize, uh, but his grace is more important than all the other. His grace is sufficient. That's what ushers in this contentment. I never was an English major, but I kind of was prompted to think back. And I thought, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Contentment is not the noun here. It's the adjective. And an adjective is a modifier. Who is a preach? You see, this is what Paul was saying. He said, I've learned that in the nouns of life, 
this thing that modifies the way I see things, this contentment, helps me to accept and to trust God and believe for more or to stand fast and behold the glory of God. This modifier that helps me now not focus upon the circumstance, but it causes me to focus on what really counts. If contentment is the adjective, then the noun is joy. Wow. Let that sink in. This is why contentment can find a home in our heart, because I got the joy of the Lord. No matter what state I'm in, good or bad, I have the joy of the Lord. Therefore, now, I'm modified with that contentment and I can accept. I don't have all what I want right now, but I know I have him. The joy that's unspeakable. Paul was talking here. He said, I, I don't have the words to describe of that guy 14 years ago, whether in body or out of body. I, I still can't describe all that was happening actually to me. And the things, that, can you imagine what he heard in the heavenlies, in the third heaven? He said, I can't express them. I'm not even allowed to share them. Moses had that same kind of experience. We studied through that with the tabernacle series. Build it on the earth just like you've already seen in the heavenlies. These things that's happening in that realm. So here's where we are today. God, give me insight. To be content in your grace. To be content in that you know who I am. And you know my needs before I ask. That it's still your will for me to pray and to believe and to trust. It's still your will for me to stand upon your word full of faith and say, I don't know when and how, but I know he's going to show up. God, help me to be content where I am right now. Help me, Lord, to accept not so much the circumstances, but accept the fact your grace is enough. Lord, I may be sick in body right now, but I'm going to believe for my healing. Lord, I'm just going to stand in faith believing. Lord, so let that contentment modify how I see things. Let the joy of the Lord be my strength. How many remembers the scriptures bear that out? The joy of the Lord truly is my strength. Will you stand with me today?